Welcome to Zen Bites, where we blend ancient wisdom and business continuity, empowering mindful entrepreneurs to create a CX-focused Zen lifestyle business. Welcome, I'm Shane Demer, and this week's Zen Bite focuses on the Bodhisattva vow. Now, we can find this sentiment in modern life in sayings like, no man left behind, or no one is free until we're all free. And according to the Tibetan Buddhist teacher, Shogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, the Bodhisattva vow is a commitment to put others before oneself. It's a statement of willingness to give up one's own well-being, even one's own enlightenment, for the sake of others. And a bodhisattva is simply a person who lives in the spirit of that now, perfecting the qualities known as the six paramitas, or perfections, which are generosity, discipline, patience, exertion, meditation, and transcendental knowledge in his effort to liberate beings. Taking the bodhisattva vow implies that instead of holding our own individual territory and defending it tooth and nail, we become open to the world that we're living in. It means we're willing to take on greater responsibility, actually immense responsibility. In fact, it means taking a big chance. But taking such a chance is not false heroism or personal eccentricity. It's a chance that has been taken in the past by millions of bodhisattvas, enlightened ones, and great teachers. So a tradition of responsibility and openness has been handed down from generation to generation. And now we too are participating in the sanity and dignity of this tradition. There is an unbroken lineage of bodhisattvas springing from the great bodhisattvas. And it's unbroken because no one in that lineage through generations and centuries has indulged himself in self-preservation. Instead, these bodhisattvas have constantly tried to work for the benefit of all sentient beings. This heritage of friendship has continued unbroken up to the present day. Not as a myth, no, but as a living inspiration. The sanity of this tradition is very powerful. What we're doing in, the, in taking the Bodhisattva vow is magnificent and glorious. It is such a wholehearted and full tradition that those who have not joined it might feel somewhat, well, wretched in comparison. They might even be envious of such richness. But joining this, this tradition also makes tremendous demands on us. We no longer are intent on creating comfort for ourselves. We work with others. This means working with our, our other as well as other other. Our other is our projections and our sense of privacy and longing to make things comfortable for ourselves. The other other is a phenomenal world outside which is filled with screaming kids, dirty dishes, confused practitioners, and assorted sentient beings. So taking the Bodhisattva vow is a real commitment based on the realization of the suffering and confusion of oneself and others. The only way to break the chain of reaction of confusion and pain 
to work our way outward into the awakened state of mind is to take responsibility ourselves. If we do not deal with the situation of confusion, if we do not do something about it ourselves, nothing will ever happen. We cannot count on others to do it for us. It's our responsibility. And we have the tremendous power to change the course of the world's karma. So in taking the Bodhisattva vow, we're acknowledging that we are not going to be instigators of further chaos and misery in the world. But we're going to be liberators, bodhisattvas, inspired to work on ourselves as well as with other people. There is a tremendous inspiration in having decided to work with others. We no longer try to build upon our own grandiosity. We simply try to become human beings who are genuinely able to help others. That is, we develop precisely the quality of selflessness which is generally lacking in the world. Following the example of Gautama Buddha, who gave up his kingdom to dedicate his time to working with sentient beings, we're finally becoming useful to society. We each might have discovered some little truth, such as the truth about poetry or the truth about photography, or even the truth about amoebas, which can be of help to others. But you know what we do? We tend to use such a truth simply to build up our own credentials. Working with our little truths, little by little, is such a cowardly approach. In contrast, the work of a bodhisattva is without credentials. We could be beaten, kicked, or just unappreciated, but we remain kind and willing to work with others. It is a totally non-credit situation. It is truly genuine and very powerful. Taking this approach of benevolence means giving up privacy and developing a sense of greater vision. Rather than focusing on our little projects, we expand our vision immensely to embrace working with the rest of the world, the rest of the galaxies, the rest of the universes. Putting such a broad vision into practice requires that we relate to situations very clearly and, perf and perfectly. In order to drop our self-centeredness, which both limits our view and clouds our actions, it's necessary for us to develop a sense of compassion. Traditionally, this is done by first developing compassion toward oneself, then toward someone very close to us, and finally toward all sentient beings including our enemies. Ultimately, we regard all sentient, sentient beings with as much emotional involvement as, they, as if they were our own mothers. We may not require such a traditional approach at this point, but we can develop some sense of ongoing openness and gentleness. The point is that somebody has to make the first move. Usually we're in a stalemate with our world. Is he going to say he's sorry to me first or am I going to apologize to him first? But in becoming a bodhisattva, we break that barrier. We do not wait for the other person to make the first move. We've decided to do it ourselves. People have a lot of problems and they suffer a great deal, obviously. And we have only half a grain of sand's worth of awareness of that suffering happening in this country alone, let alone the rest of the world. 
Millions of people in the world are suffering because of their lack of generosity, discipline, patience, exertion, meditation, and transcendental knowledge. The point of making the first move by taking the Bodhisattva vow is not to convert people to our view necessarily. The idea is that we should contribute something to the world simply by our own way of relating, by our own gentleness. In taking the Bodhisattva vow, we acknowledge that the world around us is workable. From the Bodhisattva's point of view, it is not a hardcore, incorrigible world. It can be worked within the inspiration of Buddha Dharma. Following the example of Lord Buddha and the great Bodhisattvas, we can join their campaign to work with sentient beings properly, fully, and thoroughly, without grasping, without confusion, and without aggression. Such a campaign is a natural development of the practice of meditation because, well, meditation brings a growing sense of egolessness. And by taking the Bodhisattva vow, we open ourselves to many demands. If we're asked for help, we should not refuse. If we're invited to be a parent, we should not refuse. In other words, we have to have some kind of interest in taking care of people some appreciation of the phenomenal world and its occupants. It is not an easy manner. It requires that we are not completely tired and put off by people's heavy-handed neurosis, ego dirt, and such. Instead, we are appreciative and willing to clean up for them. It is a sense of softness whereby we allow situations to take place in spite of little inconveniences. We allow situations to bother us, to crowd us. Taking a bodhisattva vow means that we are inspired to put the teachings of Buddhism into practice in our everyday lives. In doing so, we are mature enough not to hold anything back. Our talents are not rejected, but are utilized as part of the learning process, part of the practice. A bodhisattva may teach dharma in the form of intellectual understanding, artistic understanding, or even business understanding. So in committing ourselves to the bodhisattva path, we're resuming our talents in an enlightened way, not being threatened or confused by them. But something comes out of our willingness to feel that way, which is that we can help somebody else at the same time. So there's room for our confusion and chaos and ego-centeredness. They become, well, stepping stones. Even the irritations that occur in the practice of the Bodhisattva path become a way of confirming our commitment. And by taking the Bodhisattva vow, we actually present ourselves as the property of sentient beings. Depending on the situation, we're willing to be a highway, a boat, a floor, or a house. We allow other sentient beings to use us in whatever way they choose. As the earth sustains the atmosphere and outer space accommodates the stars, galaxies, and all the rest, we are willing to carry the burdens of the world. We're inspired by the physical example of the universe. We offer ourselves as wind, fire, air, earth, and water all the elements. But it is necessary and very important to avoid idiot compassion, 
If one handles fire wrongly, he gets burned. If one rides a horse badly, he gets thrown. There's a sense of earthly reality. Working with the world requires some kind of practical intelligence. We cannot just be love and light bodhisattvas. If we do not work intelligently with sentient beings, quite possibly our help will become addictive rather than beneficial. People will become addicted to our help in the same way they become addicted to sleeping pills. By trying to get more and more help, they will become weaker and weaker. So for the benefit of sentient beings, we need to open ourselves with an attitude of fearlessness because of people's natural tendency towards indulgence. Sometimes it's best for us to be direct and cutting. The Bodhisattva's approach is to help others to help themselves. It's analogous to the elements. Earth, water, air, and fire always reject us when we try to use them in a manner that is beyond what is suitable. But at the same time, they offer themselves generously to be worked with and used properly. One of the obstacles to the Bodhisattva discipline is an absence of humor. We could take the whole thing too seriously. Approaching the benevolence of a Bodhisattva in a militant fashion doesn't quite work. Beginners are often overly concerned with their own practice and their own development, approaching Mahayana in a style that brings to mind the path of an individual liberation. But that serious militancy is quite different from the lightheartedness and joy of the Bodhisattva path. In the beginning, you may have a, you may have to fake being open and joyous, okay? But you should at least attempt to be open, cheerful, and at the same time brave. This requires that you continuously take some sort of leap. I mean, you may leap like a flea, a grasshopper, or a frog, or even like a bird. But some sort of leap is always taking place on the Bodhisattva path. There was a tremendous sense of celebration and joy in finally being able to join the family of Buddhas. At last, we have decided to claim our inheritance, which is enlightenment. From the perspective of doubt, whatever enlightened quality exists in us may seem small scale. But from the perspective of actuality, a fully developed enlightened being exists in us already. Enlightenment is no longer a myth. It does exist and it's workable. And we're associated with it thoroughly and fully. So we have no doubts as to whether we are on the path or not. It's obvious that we have made a commitment and that we're going to develop this ambitious project of becoming a Buddha. Taking the Bodhisattva vow is an expression of settling down and making ourselves at home in this world. We are not concerned that somebody is going to attack us or destroy us. We are constantly exposing ourselves for the benefit of sentient beings. In fact, we're even giving up our ambition to attain enlightenment in favor of relieving the suffering and difficulties of people. Nevertheless, helplessly, we attain enlightenment anyway. Bodhisattvas in the past have taken this step, and we too can do so. 
It's simply up to us whether we are going to accept this richness or reject it and settle for a poverty-stricken mentality. I want to thank you for joining me. I look forward to next week. And until then, you know what to do. Stay clear, focused, and on purpose. for listening to Zen Bites, where we just blended ancient wisdom and business continuity, empowering you to create a CX-focused Zen lifestyle business. 